0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC back in Vegas this weekend for UFC Vegas 22, Derek Brunson versus Kevin Holland. We'll of course be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our fights on the main card. As part of Fights Dogs and Parlays, Where we'll also give you a parlay and an underdog that we think will make your wallet extra fat. Plus, in addition to that, I am going to be interviewing two fighters. Well, two fighters who should be fighting on the fight card. First, I'm going to be talking to Adrian Yanez as he gets ready for his fight. He talks a little bit about his big knockout, getting the performance bonus, and a whole bunch of other really cool stuff, so make sure you check out that interview. And then I'm going to be talking to Anthony Berchok, which I know, maybe at the time you're listening to this, he may have an opponent, he may not have an opponent. We talked a little bit about him fighting Johnny Eduardo, and of course now he's no longer fighting Johnny Eduardo. But we did also talk about some really interesting stuff, including his time away from the UFC, some regrets he has in his career. So it's still some really great content. So I wanted to make sure that that interview still got to your ears. You can check that out at the end of the show. But before we get to any of that stuff, I got to remind you that this episode of Top Tier MMA Podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better providing insights, analysis and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. And if you head on over to better than Vegas, you can browse search and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests. Look, you already listen to these guys, read what they have to say in all kinds of other places. Now you get to hear the picks straight from their mouth in and in every sport imaginable. And in fact, if you head on over there, you can see picks, each week from me and shockwave dave who will have a few extra bonus selections that you can't even hear on this podcast you're only going to hear it over there plus if you've got something to say you can of course start your own account and get your own following over on better than vegas but before you do that make sure you follow our account top turtle mma and head on over to better than.vegas better than vegas brings you this episode of top turtle mma podcast and it starts right now
1: the hosts are ready
0: the fighters are ready, listeners. Make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me now is Adrian Yanez, who fights Gustavo Lopez at UFC Vegas 22 on March 20th. So, Adrian, you're coming off that huge head kick knockout. I want you to just quickly take us through what it feels like to do that in your UFC debut.
2: Man, it it, it was a little bit surreal for uh, for me, especially, like, it was my UFC debut. Like, it, it's something, it's like the, it's the pinnacle of, like, fighting UFC. Like, when you think of UFC, like, uh, people don't even like can't even correlate MMA you know they 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 say oh you do UFC like that's an actual thing so like to uh, to be at the like pinnacle of mixed martial arts and fighting and everything and to be on that type of a big stage and just to debut on like Anderson Silva's undercard as well just like to do it like Anderson Silva with the head kick and to me that was that was like ecstatic to me I, I was Jumping up and down, like I loved, like like I loved every minute of every minute of it. Like I, like my heart wanted to jump out my chest with with excitement, uh, just because man, it was like the biggest stage ever on my career, and then just to go in there and like do that and like show show the world that hey, I'm here. That 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 was pretty cool.
0: And, and I have to imagine too that it, with a head kick like that, you you have to expect during the night. You're gonna get the performance bonus, but then you get to watch the entire card. You, obviously, there were other good finishes on it. Were you nervous at any point in time that somebody was gonna take it away from you, even Anderson?
2: Yeah, oh man, I was, I was looking, I, I was, I was pretty nervous. Uh, this is like one of the first times I've ever actually got to watch the fights like, like this. Like after I was watching the fight, I was watching the fight. I was like, you know, I was, I was hoping for good fights all around, but I was kind of like looking at you, was like. Well, that guy didn't finish as good as me. This, like, oh, I think I did it better. That was like the first time I've ever had like that type of a thought because I was really hoping for the 50 Gs. The only person that, uh, the only person that, uh, that, uh, that made me work for my uh, work, work for, for for the performance bonus was Miles Johns. Uh, like it was like two fights before me and he knocked uh that. I knocked that guy out with the uppercut, and I was like, oh, that was pretty nasty. I'm going to have to work for this one. And, you know, luckily I was I was still able to get it. So, man, that, that was pretty cool. It was, like, it was a different experience of having to watch it for, like, oh, man, I kind of hope I get out. I'm, I'm hoping I'm the best performance out of all these guys, you know, but I hope
0: they still have good performances. Yeah, that that certainly is a weird one. Now, I, I want to talk about your, your KO in conjunction with the KO from the Contender Series because now you have two – fairly flashy ko's right in a row both of them super devastating and they offered you a guy like gustavo lopez who who is a good fighter he's coming off a win over anthony burjok in his own right but were you sort of expecting a bigger name from that coming off the big performance bonus coming off the big knockout or was this right around what you were thinking
2: and i kind of figured i kind of figured this type of name and and don't get it don't get it wrong man uh uh, Gustavo Lopez, you know, is a tough guy. Like I've been watching him for, I've been watching him for for quite a bit of time. I've seen him in combat, combat the Americas and everything. So he was the champ over there. So uh, he's no slouch. So as soon as they brought uh, brought his name up, uh, it was kind of one of those like, okay, they want to test me against someone, someone good. Uh, you know, Gustavo Lopez is he's he's a he's a tough fighter. He's a real, real tough fighter. You know, he's he's been dropped before, but he comes back up and he just doesn't quit. So he has that doesn't quit attitude and he has that type of style that he's just going to keep coming forward. So like, to me, as soon as I saw that matchup, I was like, Oh, this is, this is a good one for me. Like, this is perfect. Uh, man, it would have been nice to get a to get a name, but at the same time, I don't mind being this guy. I don't mind being a workhorse. Like I don't mind uh, working, trying to, trying to state my case and why I deserve to be here and why I deserve to be in the top 15 by the end of the year or, or in 2022, you know, like I'm like, I don't mind working hard for it because I worked hard just to get here. So, like, hard work is no stranger to me. I don't want it to come easy. And if it comes easy, you know, it's usually not worth it. So, um, I'm, want uh, like, I don't mind working hard for it, you know, especially a guy, I, got, I got a guy like Gustavo Lopez in front of me, and he's going to make me work for it. And, you know, whenever I, whenever I knock him out, it's, cause it's just going to make it that much better.
0: And, and you mentioned in there that you felt like with the UFC making this booking was a test. It's a test to see if you're ready for that next level. Do, do you think that with a win over Gustavo Lopez, you, you've now passed that test and you're you ready for you know some of the bigger names in this division?
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, like it's especially like I think of it like this: Marab couldn't finish uh, Gustavo Lopez in a six days notice, and like if I finish and I finish Gustavo, you know wh- where does that put me at? You know Marab took 15 minutes with them on six days notice, and if I go in there on a the full training camp since. I, we found out about this fight back in November. So, so that long to, to March 20th. And I go in there and I start, starts Gustavo Lopez. I, that says a lot about me. Uh, so I, I would, I would hope it, it, it bumps me up, but also at the same time, I've never been surprised at having to, <laughs> having to put uh, some hard work or, uh, putting some hard work down. So I don't mind like having three or four more fights till I start getting, uh, Bigger names and bigger opponents. You know, look how look how look how long it took Max Holloway to get to a belt. Look how long it took Tony Ferguson to get to a belt. Shoot, like it like a lot of these guys like fight for like fight for uh to to make sure that they get that top spot. And I don't mind being one of those guys. Like I I really don't. Uh, if I had to work my way up there, that's 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 completely fine with me. I have no problem doing that. Uh, I know my next fight. I I'm already eyeing who I want to fight next, but. I still have Gustavo Lopez in front of me.
0: Absolutely. And I, I feel like you're you're not going to share that with us. You, you're you just going to let me know that you've got one in mind and we can hear it after you get the big knockout?
2: Oh, no, I'll let everybody know because he called me out after uh, uh I had just signed the fight with Gustavo Lopez, and I get called out uh like a day before my birthday by Nate Nate Manez, So that's the next fight I want, definitely, because if you call me out, you got to answer to it. So that's the guy I want next.
0: Well, I certainly would enjoy watching that fight. Now, let's let's get back to Gustavo Lopez for a second, though, because this fight, I noticed, was recently bumped up to the main card, and I know for some fighters, they don't care if they're fighting first or or last. If it's not a main event or if it's not for a title, it's all kind of the same. What were your thoughts on on your fight being moved up into the main card, or or did you even know?
2: I I had no idea. I found out by uh, Twitter. I found out by Twitter. Somebody was like, hey, can someone confirm this Hey, can Yanis uh, confirm this for me? And I was like, Oh, well, uh, I have no idea. I can't confirm that for you myself, <laughs> myself, my friend. But uh, I found out, and I looked on ESPN app, and everybody started tagging me and stuff. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess I'm on the main card. That's pretty cool, you know. Like, you know, I guess the uh, the UFC looks at the, this fight and is just really excited, you know, to be able to be like, all right, this fight needs it to be on the main card. So I, I'm I'm glad that they're looking they're looking at us and uh, saying that this is going to be a fight. So I'm really glad that to me, like it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a dream come true for me. You know, I'm coming off of a, a contender series stoppage then I go into the UFC debut, get a knockout, uh, like two back-to-back, uh, finishes. Now I'm coming into this fight, riding a five-fight win streak, uh, four finishes in that, uh, in that five-fight win streak. So, uh, you know I'm on, I'm on a really good roll and i just want to keep that ball rolling against gustavo lopez and now i get to show it on espn you know i saw it was espn espn plus so i, I believe they'll be able to watch it on espn so like to me that like i grew up watching espn top uh top 10 so it, it's one of those things for me that like like it it was a it's, it's kind of a dream come true but at the same time like all of it's already pushed out of my mind, and I'm just ready to go fight. Like I'm, I'm taking it as any other fight as I, as I would. No, no added pressure. Just relax and ready to go in there. But it's gonna be cool if I'm able to be on the ESPN top ten.
0: For sure. Now I'm curious too because we've talked a lot about your striking. We've talked a lot about the flashy knockouts. But but you're a guy who's got a black belt in the game for jujitsu. Like, you're a guy who we know has good ground game when he wants to go there. Is, is there a reason why we, we don't see more of your jujitsu? jitsu
2: Man, it's just one of those things that uh, I love knocking people out. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can't stress it enough. I love hitting people, and I love knocking people out like that. Because I grew up on boxing. I remember just, like, up, being a kid and watching, like, the knockouts and – just watching the hands and being uh, infatuated with, like, people getting uh, knocked out. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, this is really, really, really cool. Um, You know, in the ground game, like, I started off, like, I started off in jiu-jitsu. Like, that was my first thing I ever learned was jiu-jitsu. I got my my purple belt before I even, like, considered myself a novice at striking. So, uh, like, I I got my purple belt within, like, two years within two years, you know, I was, like, accelerated pretty fast, and I was, like, I was, like, I was learning a lot, like, that, because that was, that's what consumed my life for, like, about uh, two, two and a half years before I even uh, really did any, like, kind of kickboxing, you know, before I switched over to uh, my coach, at least now, uh, and started working on my striking, so I, I, uh, like, pride myself off of being a jiu-jitsu guy but at the same time like i've been knocking people out and it just feels really really cool because like i feel like the performance bonuses are usually given given to the people who knock people out instead of submissions and i you know if i can put on a knockout every single time and get 50k that's 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 ideal to me just add another 50k onto what you already already Me, you know makes your life a lot better (laughs) uh but man i have i have no problems going to the ground man but uh, it's, it's also like a judging thing too. Like, man, like I don't like to give up takedowns cause it scores points. And then also, and then also like jujitsu, like if I, if, like if the guy takes me down, stalls me out, is going to, and even if I'm like throwing up all these submissions and doing a little bit more damage, it's not going to, uh, the judges are going to look at that and kind of just be like, well, the other guy was on top. We'll give him that round. Like, even though he probably did no damage, he just kind of held, uh, and it was just just one of those things. That I'm just like, I don't want it to go to the judges. I just want to go out there, knock people out. Like, and if if I happen to knock them down and I stay on top, you know, I, I don't be surprised if I finish them with the submission. You know, it just I just rather just knock all these people out because I know I want I want performance bonuses, and then uh, you know I don't want fight of the night bonuses. I want performance bonuses. But, you know, I just want all finishes. Uh, just no, no, no type of getting hit.
0: <laughs> well, we certainly like that, and I guess that kind of leads me to my last question, which I feel like is fairly predictable at this point in time. But I usually like to get my fighters to give me a prediction on the fight. How do you see this one ending? I feel like I have the answer, but why don't you go ahead and give it to us?
2: Oh yeah, like I would love a first round knockout. Uh, I would absolutely love a first round knockout. Uh, but just depending if he could take if he can take the punches, then it would be a second, third round knockout. But if he, like, if, if he comes in, uh, taking me lightly, just as a striker, i predicting the first round knockout.
0: All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. This is Adrian Inez who fights Gustavo Lopez at UFC Vegas 22 on March 20th, live from the Apex. Adrian, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
2: And thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for the platform.
0: Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Adrian Yanez. I, of course, once again, am Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. I am now joined by my co-host Shockwave, Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start here. Leon Edwards this week was supposed to get a title shot if he won impressively. Of course, now we see it going to Jorge Masvidal after the unfortunate ending this weekend. What are your thoughts on the whole event and the booking of that title fight?
1: Gumby, the welterweight division has long been my favorite division in the UFC since the days of one GSP and his alien loving self. And I feel like it's kind of a mess right now, not at the top, because Kamara Usman's obviously holding it down. Very impressive champion has a real shot to go on a run here. Um, maybe even challenge GSP for consecutive title defense, uh, title defenses. But that being said, after the champ Kamara Usman, I don't feel as though there's really a clear cut number one contender. I don't feel as though uh, Jorge Masvidal, coming off a 50 to 45 loss, deserved that rematch. But hey, we're all adults here. We get it's the fight business. We know why we gave Masvidal the shot. Uh, and then you have Colby Covington, who holds a loss to Usman. Very competitive fight. I would be fine with that rematch more so than I would have been Masvidal. And I don't love the idea of Leon Edwards getting a title shot off a controversial eye poke, even though I think he was going to win that fight, I'd like to see Leon Edwards beat someone, uh, you know, maybe a Steven Wonderboy Thompson or Michael Chiesa, whoever the case may be. But then you have guys like Woodley and Maya and even Chiesa, for that matter. I just don't see them uh, being champions, uh, again, in Woodley's case. And it's just a very weak top ten in a division that has, like, 70 fighters and is typically regarded as being really competitive. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I think the problem largely with this division is we're not seeing a lot of turnover and it's not due to the fact that there aren't, you know, great up and comers that are there, right? Like we have the Jeff Neils and the Sean Brady's um, Sean uh, Brady. Yeah. Of course he's now our new favorite on the show, but like we have a bunch of those guys that, that fit that bill. The problem is, and and this also speaks to the problem that you mentioned, why we don't have a clear-cut number one contender, none of those contenders are willing to fight each other. Right now, there is exactly one guy in the UFC top five in the welterweight division who has a win over another top five fighter. That's it. One. And it's Stephen Wonderboy Thompson beat Jorge Masvidal like four years ago. And that's it. There are no other guys who've got wins over top five opponents. Masvidal doesn't want to fight Colby. Colby doesn't want to fight Masvidal. I don't care how much they say they want to fight each other. They're not interested. You know, Gilbert Burns would probably fight both of them. But again, it's a dangerous matchup for either of those two. You know, it's just... And we saw that even with Leon Edwards. He wasn't willing to fight certain people in the division. And they're not willing to fight him because, hey, he doesn't have a big name behind him. So... This this inability to fight one another makes it so that they don't fall out of the top five. And those guys like, you know, like I said, Jeff Neal, you know, I mean, guess Jeff Neal got his shot against Wonderboy. But, like, those level guys don't get their chance to move up into that top five because nobody's willing to fight them. Nobody's letting anything move in this division. So we're getting stale contenders who are undeserving and young guys that are kind of stagnant. So the reason for it for me has got to be just, like, you know, Jorge Masvidal pricing himself out of pretty much every single fight except for a title fight, and you could say a similar thing with Colby Covington just having a big ego thinking, you know, he's a huge draw, which, hey, I I don't even know if he's a huge draw or not because he hasn't fought recently enough or on a card where he could be a big draw. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of problems with the welterweight division, but I think most of it stems from that fact.
1: So, you know, everything you bring up, I just want to say in in wrapping this up, I think a lot of it still falls on the UFC, though. I know you mentioned guys don't want to fight each other, but the UFC can make people fight
0: each other if they don't want to fight yeah. each other. You, you need, saw that with Leon Edwards, right? Like, he was going to fight Kamzat Chemaev, right? And just because they were like, oh, you're not going to fight? That's cool. You're not in the rankings anymore. They took him out for 15 minutes, and he was right the fuck back in them. And what
1: I was going to say too was, you know, I think the other problem here is that Usman is so dominant that you have three of the top five are really great fighters. Okay. Burns, Masvidal, Colby. They are great fighters. All three could be champion if Kamara Usman didn't exist on this planet. So it harkens back to the days of GSP. and, you know, that was such great booking on the UFC's part. Dana White, uh, you know, go, it goes in the Fight Promotion Hall of Fame. They made us believe that Tiago Alves, that Dan Hardy. <laughs> Those a, are the first two remote. names that
0: came to my mind, too. Dan Hardy and Tiago Alves. <laughs> I, like, legitimately <laughs> and, thought they were going to threaten GSP. <laughs>
1: and, and, you know, Dan Hardy was somewhat of a fan favorite. The outlaw gimmick, not as popular as Hory Mazzadol is today. But you know what? After getting completely mopped by GSP, they didn't give him a title rematch just because he was entertaining, and here we are sitting uh, you know, with Masvidal not even off a win, just getting a rematch. It really just puts a bad taste in my mouth, and if anything, what I'd rather see the UFC do, get that promotional machine, the marketing machine behind Michael Chiesa. He's never faced uh, you know, Usman. Give me a reason why Chiesa could beat him, and let's just go with it and watch Usman reel off ten wins in a row. It, has Usman faced Wonderboy Thompson off the top of my head? No, he hasn't. Why is Thompson not fighting here? I've already seen Jorge Masvidal. It pisses me off, Gumby.
0: Yeah, in, in both of those matchups that you just mentioned, too, not for anything. And like you said, Jorge Masvidal, very talented fighter. Both of those are worse matchups for Usman, too, right? Because like w- the thing about Masvidal is he can be pushed against the cage. He can be taken down. And that's not just by Usman; like that's happened historically. You put him in a fight with Colby Covington, he does the same fucking thing to him, and it's really disappointing and really boring to watch. Wonderboy's a master of distance and a fun kickboxer. You know, Michael Chiesa has shown incredible grappling in his last couple of fights. I mean, he manhandled Neil Magny in there, and plus his jujitsu game is probably better than than Usman. So like that would also be a fun part of the game. So. Yeah, like, not only would it be more fun to see Usman just, like, bash everybody in the top ten and and turn himself into, like, a megastar that way, but it would also just be from, like, a, a testing him standpoint and possibly seeing somebody push him, like, even that would be better.
1: Well, I'll tell you what's going to be better than all of that. It's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, for eh, a bit of an underwhelming card, but we're still going to have fun with it. The main event is fun, um, and I'm excited to see one Gregor Gillespie return. So, Gumby, let's get to our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, for UFC Vegas 22. But before we do it, one may wonder if any company sponsors this week's edition.
0: Absolutely. fight stocks and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jujitsu, jitsu it does not matter because you can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, tag different techniques that you worked on that day, write yourself notes, tag competitions, and so many more awesome features. Make sure to check them all out wherever it is you download apps.
1: All right, we'll start with the main event. Uh, Derek Brunson is a plus-155 dog to Kevin Holland, a minus-175 favorite. Brunson coming off three wins in a row over Elias Theodoro, Ian Heinisch, Edmund Shabazian, TKO over Shabazian. Before that, he lost to Israel Adesanya, Jacare Salza, so three and two in his last five. But when you look at the career of Brunson, it's very interesting because he typically beats who he should beat. Uh, but then I'll lose to I don't know Robert Whitaker, <laughs> Anderson Silva, Yoel Romero. Albeit that the Romero and Anderson Silva fights were very competitive. Losses to Israel Adesanya, Jacare. There's no shame in that. He could just never break through to beat the top of the top of the division. Kevin Holland, on the other hand, a lot of hype behind him right now on a five-fight win streak. Beat the Jacare Salza, um, Darren Stewart, Joaquin Buckley. Uh, Charlie Ontiveros, and Anthony Hernandez. He KO'd four out of the five mentioned. Darren Stewart, the only one who went to decision, split at that. You'd have to go back to his fight against Brandon Allen to find his last loss back in October of 2019, so he stayed very active in 2020. Uh, All being said, he's about eight and three in the UFC if you don't count Dana White contender series fights. So, what do you think here? He is the favorite, the younger fighter, the up and coming fighter. Who are you taking?
0: I'm going to be honest, I couldn't believe when I saw these lines come out that, that Kevin Holland was the favorite. Uh, I, to me, I think this fight clearly favors Derek Brunson, I, I think in a, in a pretty obvious way, because, I mean, if you look back at Kevin Holland's five-fight win streak, and he did that all in one year, which is part of what the hype is all around Kevin Holland right now, right? He won five fights in a year, what a beast, and, and hey, they were impressive. But the thing I will say about Kevin Holland over that time is, first of all, very low level of competition. With the exception of a quite a bit older Jacare Sousa, most of those names are not guys you're writing home about, right? So that's the first piece. The second piece I will say is that Kevin Holland repeatedly has had issues with the takedown over the course of his career, right? Like, if you go back and look at his career, I mean, even look at that Jacare fight, right? Like, Jacare took him down twice and seemed by all the little sense of the word seemed to be clearly in position to dominate him for a grappling round. When Kevin Holland knocked him out from the seat of his pants in like the wildest fashion ever, like not for anything, he didn't do that. He on a hundred percent was going to lose round one based on grappling alone. And if you go back to, you know, his last loss, which is to Brendan Allen, same thing brendan allen took him down and, and kind of had his way with him and submitted him fairly easily you know you know tiago santos took him down and laid all over him and granted tiago santos is is a light heavyweight beast now but he's also not known for his wrestling Derek brunson low-key has amazing wrestling you know he, he took jacaray down multiple times you know he he uh or no not jacaray he didn't take jacaray down he took um uh, Edmund Shabazian down a bunch of times. He took Ian Heinish down a bunch of times. He took Elias Theodoru down a bunch of times. So, like, in that three-fight win streak, he's got ten takedowns. Uh, and, yeah, he didn't get the takedown against Israel Adesanya. He's not Jan Blankovic. Okay, that, that's fine for him. But I think here, he, first of all, is dangerous enough on the feet to threaten Kevin Holland. And the grappling advantage is just so clear to me in, in favor of Brunson, where he could control this fight Avoid the takedowns any it looks like, you know, Holland might have him in trouble.
1: Yeah, you know, I lean towards Brunson as a dog. He's a slight dog at that. Um, I am very entertained by this fight, and I'm also entertained by the return of Gregor Gillespie, a minus-235 favorite against Brad Riddell, a minus-195, or excuse me, a plus-195 dog. Gillespie, undefeated in the UFC, undefeated in his MMA career. The wrestling stalwart was looking untouchable until he faced Kevin Lee. Uh, This was back at Masvidal Diaz, back at UFC 244. So well over a year ago, he lost via a head kick to the face. It was quite violent, out cold, sent to the underworld, and we haven't seen him since. And as a guy who can really use his wrestling to dominate in the division – Um, I hope what he did was get himself healthy, work on his striking, which certainly needed to come up to par to match his wrestling skill, or at least just come up to par for some of the better strikers in the division. So it's very exciting to see where his career goes, how he's going to bounce back as someone who was once undefeated and looked unstoppable until he ran into Kevin Lee's foot. Brad Riddell, uh, he is on a three-fight win streak in the UFC, 3-0 and in the UFC. So he has not lost in the UFC himself. What do you think here? And as a plus-195 dog, do you like laying some money on him?
0: So I would say, first of all, if you are betting this fight, there's no way you go after Gregor Gillespie at negative 235. That That is an absurd number for him coming off of a knockout in, in coming off of him being gone for this long, especially against the guy in Brad Riddell who has a a background in Muay Thai and and background in kickboxing. The dude has taken pro fights in both of those. So, like, why would you want to pair him up with that guy unless you really want to test Gregor Gillespie and know if he's the real deal again, and and he's made those changes. So, I I definitely pat the UFC on the back for making that, you know, matchmaking that because ultimately it's going to let us know what's next for Gregor Gillespie. Is he the real deal? Is he not the real deal? And, And, you know... You're right. If I'm betting, I'm betting on Brad Riddell. But I think if this were even money, if we were talking about this a coin flip, I gun to my head, I got to pick a winner. I still think I'm taking Gregor Gillespie. I still have faith in that wrestling game that was so good uh, in every fight, except for the Kevin Lee fight. And and I, you know, I love his control on the ground. I think as long as he gets Riddell down a couple of times, he's probably going to hold him there for full rounds. So I'm going to go with Gillespie, but I cannot tell you how unsure I am of this pick.
1: Yeah, I I just want to see Gillespie here to really know what we're dealing with and where his career might go. So it's a tough one to just go out and say, like, yeah, bet bet a fat envelope on Gregor Gillespie. Uh, I do think he can control with his wrestling. If we take away the Kevin Lee fight, pretend it never happened, I think we'd be going Gillespie here all day. But we also can't erase that from our minds. And we know that if Brad Riddell can light him up like a Christmas tree standing, we might be in for some problems here kind of reminds me of my boy Misha Serkinov last week, never going to let it down. I called him my lock of the week because I thought he was a superior grappler, uh, and Span lit him up. And sometimes you have guys, or at least in my my case, you know, even uh, guys and girls, the Tatiana is of the world. Not that we've seen her get lit up, but I will fall in love with someone who's really good at grappling, really good at wrestling, really good at submissions, And then they run into problems when they can't get the fight to the ground. So that's what this is all going to be about. We'll move on to a heavyweight fight tied to Ivasa, minus-225 favorite. Uh, He's on a one-fight win streak after knocking out Stefan Struve. Uh, One and three in his last four, though. Uh, And he's taken on Dante Mays, who's also on a one-fight win streak. He's one and two in the UFC since coming off Dana White Contender Series. He's a plus-185 dog here. Again, to Ivasa, the minus-225 favorite, who you got?
0: Uh, I'm going with Tuivasa all day here. I, I, first of all, don't get me wrong. I like Dante Mays. His striking is just not as crisp as Ty Tuivasa. Um, you know, they're heavyweights, so they both got big hands and they like to swing it. But the difference for me too here is, despite the fact that Tuivasa is not maybe, I don't know, the most in shape guy you've ever seen in your whole life, his cardio is miles better than Dontel Mays. You know, if you go back and watch that Dontel Mays fight with Surreal with Gain, which granted Gain is now a beast, he's like a top five heavyweight, but he just looks so exhausted, even like, I don't know, four minutes into that fight. And, and Tuivasa comes with a pace. So for that reason, I, I think Tai Tuivasa is a pretty safe pick here. You know, if, if you're doing a DraftKings lineup or something like that, he's probably going to land a knockout because this is a big boy fight. Um, so, you know, like, I, I think he's a pretty safe pick here. Uh, and, and I expect him to get it done. Probably a little bit later on when Mays starts to get tired.
1: All right, then uh, I'm not gonna argue with you on any of that. Uh, underdog of the
0: week is Montserrat Ruiz, a plus 300. Why do we like him? So Montserrat Ruiz is taking this fight on short notice and she's fighting Cheyenne Bays, who's got a ton of hype coming on her coming off of the contender series. her her husband is actually also fighting on this card JP Bays. And the reason I like Montserrat Ruiz is that if you watch her fights in Invicta, she just comes forward with, like, violent intentions all the time. And that gave Cheyenne Baze a little bit of trouble when she was on the Contender Series against somebody who wasn't even as good at striking as Montserrat Ruiz. And Ruiz also, not for anything, trains at King's MMA, which gives her a very good set of training partners when it comes for striking. And then she cross trains at 10th Planet for her jiu-jitsu. She's coming off of... A very, very cool scarf hold key lock submission victory. She's so fun to watch on the ground. So I saw her coming, starting up at plus 300, and I'm sure it's because of the hype on Bays. It's because of the short notice stuff. But if I'm looking for a dog here on this card that's not named Derek Brunson, let me tell you something. Montserrat Ruiz, especially at a monstrous number like that, plus 300, it's definitely worth at least dabbling on.
1: Let's dabble on our parlay to play this week. Max Griffin's a minus 165, Grant Dawson a minus 210. So two favorites, but pair them together, you'll get yourself plus 135 odds on it. Let's break it down.
0: So Max Griffin for me is a, a cinch here against Kanan Song because the, the thing about Kanan Song is he's very physically gifted, but he muscles almost everything he does. Uh, if you look at his takedown defense, if you look at his counters, if you look at you know a- anything he does in the clinch. It just looks like he is using pure athleticism and pure strength. And he's going to be doing that against a guy who has not only got good cardio, but is incredibly durable and physically strong himself. So for that reason, you know, I'm all over Max Griffin, especially if you're getting him at the 165 mark. I also love Grant Dawson. I I think for me, the biggest sell here on Grant Dawson is that he's coming up to lightweight. I think he's always belonged at lightweight. He's had weight troubles at featherweight, you know, like he, he keeps a good pace at featherweight, but like how much better is that going to be now that he doesn't have to kill himself to make the weight or kill himself failing to make the weight. Not to mention it, he puts on a great pace. He's fighting a 41-year-old dude who has only fought 8 times in the last 8 years. Now, granted, he's 7 wins, 0 losses and 1 draw in Leonardo Santos, but at the same time, he hasn't fought, you know, the best of the best, and in addition to that, he's He's getting really old and hasn't fought in a while. So I love Grant Dawson for those reasons. So pair those two together, plus money, can't beat it.
1: Boom. All right. That wraps up our fights, dogs, and parlays. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Follow us on Twitter, at MMA. Follow us on Instagram by the same handle, We're always tweeting about these shows. We're always welcoming feedback. Let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty. Keep an eye out on Better Than Vegas and our social media streams for our gambling video breakdowns. We love giving you guys gambling advice, and we sure hope you appreciate it. We sure hope we've made you some money along the way. Gumby, what do we got lined up to end the show with?
0: To end the show this week, we've got that interview with Anthony Burtchok that I mentioned up on top. Of course, he's no longer fighting Johnny Eduardo, which, you know, he was at the time of the interview. So you can skip over that stuff if you want. But there's some really interesting stuff there about contracts, about some waiting for fights, about his time away from the UFC. I really think you get some great insight into him as a fighter and him as a person. So make sure you tune into that right now. And joining me today is Anthony Bertrap, who fights Johnny Eduardo at UFC Vegas 22 on March 20th. So, Anthony, before we get talking about the fight with Eduardo, I, I want to take it back to your first run in the UFC because this is actually your second time in the UFC. You went two and two last time, coming off of a win, and, and then you wound up leaving the UFC after that. Can you can you take us through some of the circumstances that you know led you to leave the UFC coming off of a win?
3: Yeah. So, um. During that whole time, there was a lot of turmoil with like the uh, with the whole WME IMG buyout, and uh, there was a couple of contracts like mine, for example, um, that were kind of in that in this limbo area. I think Carla uh, was another one, and so was uh, like Ryan Bader, and then the Monsoon at that time. And um, you know, I, I was trying to I was trying to get turned around as quick as possible, and uh, you know, I was trying to hit up Sean Shelby and a couple of the other people, and it was just it was just something kind of going forward that seemed like, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get re-signed right away. Uh, and they wanted to wait till the end of that year. Um, well, you know, I kind of came over some hard times and push came to shove for me. So I, w- I like, I started getting like red notes for my, for my electricity. you know, like some notices on eviction. And I was like telling like Sean Shelby, like, Hey man, like I'm ready to take any of these last minute fights. Like I need, I need some work. You know what I mean? And, uh, I tried to end up fighting uh, Rafael Asensi yeah. when uh, Aljamín Sterling got sick. Uh, I think it was for the first UFC New York event. And, um, and Sean was like, Oh, ah, it's a tough fight, man. And I go, well, they're all tough fights the UFC. You know what I mean? There's like really nobody easy. So um, we tried to make that fight happen. Uh, something happened with the New York Athletic Commission not letting it get approved. And uh, Sean's like, well, you know, you can test free agency. Like that's, that is an option as well. Um, so that's what I did. I tested free agency. Uh, ACB in Russia offered me a good amount of money. Um, Combatas Americas offered me uh, a good amount. And then um, ultimately I ended up signing with Ryzen, um, which which was like my dream to fight for, you know, in Japan. And uh, Ryzen had a, had a good division that I'd like to step in. And it, it didn't pan out the way I thought it was going to be. It was actually probably one of the worst, most detrimental things to my career. Uh, going 0-3 in Japan, but um, you know that was that was the kind of the path that it went down. Uh, not being released by the UFC, just you know me testing free agency and uh, you know them not giving me a contract uh, to turn back into.
0: Yeah, well, obviously you know the the circumstances meant you had to do something, right? You had to find a fight, you had to do something. But now that you're back with the UFC after you know it, it's been like five years since you you last left the. You had fights in, like you said, rising in Japan. You fought for Combate, the aforementioned LFA, and stuff like that. How do you look at that time away from the UFC? Like you said, you wish you could have done better in Japan, but was it a good time for growth? Was it something that you feel like you're glad you got out of the way? What? How does it feel now that it's over? You know, now in retrospect, like I said, it was probably, it was probably one of the worst decisions I could have
3: made. Um, you know, if you don't finish a Japanese fighter – uh you you're probably not winning that fight. They're going to give you you know they said, "Oh, but first heck they loved you." And I was like, "What do you mean they loved me?" Like like I won I won those fights and they go, "Yeah, but they gave you a split decision." Which means they which means they like you. <laughs> if they didn't like you, they you, you would have you would just lost decisions. decision. And I go, "Damn. Okay, so I see how that worked." Um but you know, like I lost to Kawajiri, which is is one of the all- all-time, you know, greatest Japanese icons in MMA and you know, I'm okay with that loss, but the other two guys, that those just didn't sit right with me. And you know, if I never, if I never take those fights, or if I never have that contract, or if I win those fights, I come back at at 18 and three. You know what I mean? Which is uh, a world challenger in any organization. So God, now that I look back on it, man, it was just like you know it's something that I've always wanted, just to be part of my journey. But uh, at the same time, like sometimes the things you always want isn't what you need. And, and what I needed to do was, was I should have just been patient, uh, maybe got a, a regular day job or, or work something, and, and then continued to renew my, my contract with the UFC. Uh, I think at that time, um, I was just barely starting to build a, a good camp and just got a new head coach, and, and I rushed things, you know, what I mean? just me being a young, dumb fighter. And in retrospect, I should have just shown a little bit more patience and, uh, you know, got, it, got into my UFC shoes a little bit longer.
0: Well, now you said you, you built a good camp around you, and it maybe took a little while to do that. Now I'm curious: Do you feel like you, you're a much different fighter than you were the first go round? Do you feel like, you know, both in the cage and, and sort of mentally, that you're different than you were the first time?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, with with uh, you know, time comes a little bit of uh, a little bit of knowledge, and, and I wise it up a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a lot more mature, a lot more patient. Uh, I'm not rushing things, so. Uh, now that I got good coaching, man, and I and I really never have had um, the same corner uh, over more than two fights in my career. Uh, Coach Casey Hall, here in Las Vegas, and Coach Ray Sefo, um have really come together to to invest into me and, and put me in a good position to be successful. Um, you know, we're working on a, a bunch of stuff right now that is it, just it's clean, it's basic, and and it's and it's what's going to win fights and. I, I kind of gravitated away from that, and and now it's like we're, we're coming back to it. It's like being mature, being understanding of like, hey, this is what win fights. Like all that flashy shit, you know, yeah, it makes it exciting for people, but you know, winning is what we need to do. So that's that's where I'm at right now. You know what I mean? I'm I'm uh, two and three in the UFC right now. I'm trying to get it at least to a 500 record so that I'm three and three, and uh, really reevaluate from there. Uh, what I need to be doing to continue to be successful and make this last little part of my career, this last run, something that is, is viable and something that is, is real and, and will solidify my legacy.
0: And, and you said in there, too, that, that you know, you, you're getting away from some of the stuff that's flashy and doing what works. Instead, I, I know you've got a wrestling background, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Does that mean you feel like you're you're putting more emphasis on that grappling game that, you know, maybe occasionally you've gotten away from in your career? Yeah, I mean, when you look at when you when you say it like that, right? That that would be that would be that
3: was my bread and butter, and um, you know, striking would be the weak link in my chain. And I've always tried to polish my striking. I've always brought in
0: you know world class striking coaches
3: or Gonda uh, coaches that you know have shown a little bit. You know, the Bang Muay Thai system, traditional Muay Thai, um, you know, boxing, and and now it's at a point where. Uh, you know, it's it looks that this is what you do. You, you wrestle and you choke people out. Now we just need to make you competitive on your feet so that you can you can stand and bang with any striker, but you don't have to, you know? And, and like, and that's where we're at because when you look at like my finishes, I almost have as many knockouts as I do submissions. You know what I mean? So it's, is it a weak link in my chain? You know, not necessarily, but I will always say so because I come from the wrestling and grappling realm. So striking is not, you know, it's not like I would go sign up for lion fights and, and do a muay thai <laughs> fight. You know what I mean? Although, although I wanted to, like that was something that came up too after my first run in the UFC. I wanted to sign with lion fights and get a muay thai fight in. But, uh, but no, now now that we're we're a little bit being more uh, mature in understanding of what what makes me me, it, it's 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 the wrestling, it's the grappling, it's choking people out, it's it's submitting people, and and that's how. You know, that's how I need to win these fights, man, is I need to get it to, to the the most, the part of the fight that, that it favors me the most, and, and that's the ground.
0: Well, I love hearing that. Now, you're fighting a guy, too. Let's, let's talk about this fight with Johnny Eduardo. It's kind of a weird fight because he hasn't fought in three years. Obviously, that doesn't make him an easy guy to game plan for. He's also a black belt in the ground, and, and you just mentioned you kind of hope the fight goes there. How do you feel like you're you're wrestling and grappling ways against you know he, he's a black belt under Andre Petanaris that that's a not an easy thing to deal with.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I, and I've gone up against a couple of black belts under Andre Petanaris. You know what I mean? I think, um, you know, Dylan o. Lopez was probably one of his top one of his top dudes that had had an amazing guillotine, had some amazing submissions, and uh, you know, I, I've already seen kind of what that has to offer, Um, Johnny is more of that Muay Thai background, more of that kickboxing and uh, shoot-box style fighting, you know what I mean, which i already seen with Thomas Almeida. And, you know, I've already seen those worst monsters coming out of Brazil. I've already seen the worst of the worst. And, uh, you know, Johnny Eduardo being off for 33, 34 months, him being 42, and this being a short four-week camp, all of that only favors me. You know, and, and and I truly feel like I've done, I've done the work, I've I've made my sacrifices, I've done everything possible to win this fight, man. And and when I look at film and when I look at the people that he's fought, like Aljo, Nathaniel Wood, uh, Matt Lopez, who's from you know an hour east of me in Arizona, um, all those dudes got the fight to the ground. All those dudes ended up, uh, you know, dominating him and winning him, uh, winning in a, in a finishing fashion. So, you know, I think as long as I can get the fight to the ground, as long as I can. They, uh you know heavy on top continuing my pressure and ground and pound
0: um, he's gonna want an easy exit out of there he's gonna give me his neck or he's gonna leave an arm hanging behind
3: and, and i'll be able to finish him
0: well we're certainly looking forward to that fight once again fans this is anthony Birchak who fights john johnny eduardo at ufc vegas 22 on march 20th anthony thanks so much for the time man i really appreciate it
3: hey thank you man i really
0: appreciate you taking the time to talk to me man it makes me feel special Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We certainly couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without our sponsors, More Room Social and Better Than Vegas. And, of course, the headquarters of this podcast, CagesidePress.com. Make sure to head on over there for all of your UFC and MMA news. And, of course, for other news and other MMA stuff, you can head on over to our Twitter and our Instagram at MMA on both of those platforms. You'll certainly love what you get if you follow us there. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.